Hi everyone, so we're going to be sticking with the theme of giving you information around things you can do at home. Obviously there's a lot of people still stuck inside, some are lucky enough to have gardens and things like that. So we'll try and make this something that's really applicable to your situation at the moment. So today I'm going to be talking about plyometrics because they're a great source of power training and they're something you can do with minimal or no equipment and you can do in really small space if you don't have any space. So great if you do have a garden or something like that, an outdoor space and you're allowed to go out and exercise. If not, no problem. You can probably do most of the things I want to talk about within your own home. Okay, so there are a lot of kind of misconceptions around plyometric training uh, and we're going to clear a couple of those things up and then we're going to move into a system of what you can do and how to build up from the basics to some more advanced work. So there are some recommendations um, that are quite dated around plyometric training um, and some of them state that you have to have a good base level of strength before starting any form of plyometric training and this has been suggested in some places as being a two times body weight squat which would be a very very good squat for an athlete to have so if you can squat to a good depth two times your body weight you're considered as being very strong um, and it's unlikely that most footballers are going to get to that level of strength due to the fact that you play games on such a regular basis, due to the fact that a back squat is not kind of the number one best exercise that you could be spending hours and hours on each week. So squats are an effective strength training exercise. But there's no real reason why you would need to have a two times body weight squat before going and doing plyometrics. Plyometrics can be high impact and we'll get into that but there's no reason why you can sprint, but you can't do plyometric training. If someone said that you have to have two times body weight squat to sprint and also run, as well as doing plyometrics, that would make more sense. Um, but it just doesn't really hold true in the real world, so we can ignore that one. Even children can do some form of appropriate plyometric training. The next thing would be, is all the exercises we're gonna talk about truly plyometric? So for something to be a real plyometric exercise, some definitions say they have to be impact driven, which means you would have to drop off of something for it to be truly plyometric and something like a box jump would not be because it's not impact driven. So we don't really care if something is truly plyometric um, as long as it's gonna help to increase your performance on the pitch. So some of the exercises, and a lot of the exercises actually, that I'm going to talk about are not true plyometrics. However, they are a form of jump training and therefore fit into the same category. So plyometric training has kind of expanded a little bit to, to include more different type of jump training. Otherwise, we're just going to need too many different words to explain so many of the different types of training we do. Okay, so some of the things that I'm going to discuss are not truly plyometric, but they are jump tra training. Um, second thing is, do I need lots of space? No, you can do most forms of plyometric training on the spot. You can progress them, so you use more space. They can be more expansive, and they can be uh, move in different directions. So they don't always have to be up. They can do fo be forwards. They can be medial and lateral. So you don't need a huge amount of space, but it can help to progress things if you like. And the last thing is, is it really high impact? Um, some advanced forms of plyometrics can be high impact they would fall under our level four category and that doesn't mean that you can't do them that doesn't mean they're not appropriate and it doesn't mean that you need to limit them and only use them in really really strong people or only at certain times but it just means that we need to do them when they are appropriate when we have gone through progressions 
and when it's the right thing for you, okay? So often people limit contacts. So for advanced athletes, some people would suggest that you don't do more than 120 contacts. Contacts are basically reps, the amount of time your feet touch the floor. Um, same as anything, can't be excessive and it can't be from nowhere. If you went out and you did 100 reps of plyometrics and you've done zero the week before, then you might be in some pain. If it's a gradual progression and you've gone from doing 20 reps to 25 reps to 30 reps in, at the start of your session or in a warm-up, then you're going to have a higher capacity to increase slowly and therefore be able to do that a little bit um, more safely. Okay, so we've cleared some stuff up about plyometric training and now maybe what I'll talk about really quick is the reasons why we would want to do plyometric training. So it's not just the fact that we have space to do them and you can do them without equipment. They're really, really useful for increasing the stretch shortening cycle effect at the ankle. Basically, that's just going to help you use more elastic energy, which is going to help you run faster. And it's basically free energy. Okay. As it's elastic energy, when you contact the ground, you're going to be able to use that energy and go into your next step. A little bit like using a trampoline, for example. So it can make you a lot faster by doing plyometric training. It can help your muscles fire quicker. Okay. So if we look at the progressions, we've got four different levels. The first three levels are not true plyometrics, but that's no problem, like I said. So the first level, they're going to be box jumps or box hops. A, a jump is on two legs. You take off on two legs and you land on two legs. And a hop is going to be one leg. Okay, so a one leg takeoff and a one leg landing. So box jumps or box hop fall into this category. Three to five sets of up to five reps can be useful. And a bound and stick. A bound is a takeoff on left leg, land on right leg, or takeoff on right leg and land on left leg. So... A lot of what we're doing here is more around landing so we can safely progress to the next level. So on the jump, on the hop, you're still trying to jump as high as you can. And you can obviously do that to a bed, to a sofa, to a table if you can get away with it, or maybe the steps in your house or space in the garden, okay? So really focusing on as high as you can for the box jump or hop, but really focusing on good landings on all three of these exercises. The bound and stick, obviously the stick says you should hold for a second, okay? So on this one, you're going to be going up high and far. It's a mixture of the two, but really we're focusing on that good single leg landing, okay? So level one, if you can do those exercises and you can land safely, if your landings are quiet, if your knees stay in line with your feet, you're nice and stable in your landings, then you can progress to level two, okay? Level two is taking the box out for the box jump and the box hop and using hurdles or anything you have. You can use an imaginary hurdle if you want. It doesn't have to be a real hurdle. What is What that's gonna do is just place a lot larger eccentric stress on your body because when we use a box, we're essentially reducing the landing forces. We're landing from about this high. But if you were to jump as high as you can, you're now landing from say this high and there's gonna be much more stress on the body. So we need to make sure your landings are still good with these high levels of eccentric stress the lateral hop and stick, instead of going from one leg to the other leg on the bound, so it would be left to right, you're now going left to left, okay, which can be a little bit harder. So hurdle jumps and sticks, the reps can stay the same, around three to five sets or five reps is probably good. For lateral hop and stick, you can probably do three inside and three outside, because it's important that we go towards the midline of our body and away from the midline of our body. So six reps per leg, three in, three out, for three to five sets is probably good. If you can deal with those landing forces and you still look solid in your landings, you can move to level three. So level three uses a double bounce. 
So if I'm doing hurdle jumps or imaginary hurdle jumps, instead of jumping, landing, and then jumping again, I'm gonna jump, do a small control bounce, and then go into the next jump. So it's kind of an introduction to more continuous real life plyometric work. So adding a double bounce can be really useful. Same for the hop, for the lateral hop and stick. So if I'm hopping left leg towards the middle of my body, then I'm gonna hop, small bounce, hop, small bounce. So it's just a little bit controlled and it's a way you can progress to more intense continuous exercises. So level four is gonna include any of the exercises we've discussed, but in a continuous nature. So if I'm doing hurdle jumps in a straight line um, or imaginary hurdle jumps, I'm gonna go fully continuous, I'm gonna attack the ground and I'm gonna try and get off the ground as quick as possible. So this is where things are really impact driven and are technically plyometric. For our lateral hops and sticks, now we can add a little bit more height and a little bit more distance. Um, I misspoke there, so for our lateral hops, we're taking away the stick completely. We can look for more height and more distance while still being quick off the floor. So level four is our real plyometric work. Level one, two, and three is helping us build up safely to that plyometric work. So this type of stuff you can do anywhere. You can do it in your house. You can do it in your garden. You can do it in your street if you're allowed to. And it fits in really well at the end of a warm-up and before more loaded power training or sprint training. So that's when it's done. And this is how you can progress it and use it. If you can do level one, two, and three, then you can progress to level four, okay? There's no reason why you can't go slow though and stay at level one, two, and three for too long. Your worst case scenario of spending too long at one of the, the lower levels is that you're just gonna stay on it a bit too long, get better at landing. If you rush to level four and you don't have the strength and the landing capacity to deal with that, then you could potentially get injured. So slow progressions are always gonna be better and it's a great way to continue your training at home and make sure you maintain your explosiveness when you get back on the pitch.